Hello and welcome to another episode of the Our Foundations podcast. My name is Joshua. I am your host. And today's episode will be the second talk from Agora Fest 2023. This is another one where the audio was far from ideal. I did clean it up a whole lot, and I think I got it cleaner than last one. So I uh, did get some feedback that the last one still was pretty rough. So this one I spent a little more time on, but at the same time, I'm not a professional and there is only so much I can do with my software. So I am getting it as good as I know how to, and that's about all I can do. A lot of it was just that the the audio, uh, when it was recorded at the source, just didn't really go well. Now, I will say that if this one is still not up to par, at least uh, uh, not even good enough where you can muddle through it, then have patience. The Either the next one or the one after next, we switched how we did the audio, and the last few are much, 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 much better. I think that especially if I do a little work on them, I think they will actually be pretty good quality, whereas these first few are pretty rough. But I felt like the content is really good. The one that uh, Bradley gave, the presentation he gave that I aired in the last episode, I really did enjoy it. I thought it was really good content. I felt like the content in this one that I gave about the Parallel Society is really applicable, and it was uh, really good info and condensed very well, and so I thought it was definitely worth presenting. Same with the next one. However, I, I do understand that the audio quality is not great, so I apologize again, and I promise that after maybe this one or the next, uh, somewhere around there, they do get much, much better. There's only, I think, three more after this one in this current episode, and then we will get back to the normal episodes, getting back into, I believe, the end of the Beatitudes and uh, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, if I remember correctly where we are. So that's what's coming up. I will leave it here, and I'll just pick up with when I walked up on stage after Bradley was done with his presentation and got us started again for this presentation number two from AgoraFest 2023. All right. What's up? We're going to continue on here. Uh, Brad talked about mutual assistance groups, getting to know like-minded folks, gathering together, so... Definitely good to talk to various people in this room because you know, they're going to be in that circle, on that list. So networking is always one of the most beneficial aspects about something like this. Uh, Brad did also mention the Voluntary Society. So if you're looking for something of that sort in the greater Chattanooga area, uh, that'd be a place to go. And ChattanoogaVoluntarySociety.com would be the website. Uh, you can talk to me or anyone at the Agora, uh, or probably uh, a people in this room, and find out more about it. And that's basically a group of like-minded folks within an hour of Chattanooga, roughly, uh, that meet up once a month and then have lots of other things that we do. So if you're interested, check that out as well. Uh, so also, if you've looked at the schedule, uh, you can tell that we're not going to follow it exactly. Uh, because it's nowhere near whatever time it's supposed to be. Uh, so we'll do the best we can. Um, sometimes it's nice to have a little longer break, walk around, talk, do the things, rather than try to be exact. So for me, uh, I am the next speaker. 
talking about the parallel society. So this is uh, kind of putting into practice what uh, Brad was referring to about actually taking action, actually doing something, building something. And it's, it's more than just friends and like-minded folks that hang out. Um, there can be a lot more than that. And so what I want to talk about is this idea of what is a parallel society? Why is that something that would be worth considering doing? And how would you go about doing so? What are some examples? These kinds of things. So, similar to Brad, I guess we'll start off with there's problems in the world. I don't think I need to ask you to raise a hand, but uh, I think we can all agree that there's problems with today's culture. Lots of things that lots of people don't agree with. Uh, politics. Maybe some corruption going on and lots of other things. Uh, even corporations. I'm sure there are things that various corporations do that everybody in this room can find one that does something they don't agree with. Uh, there's lots of problems in the world today, period. It's all around. That's modern society. So the next step would be well, what are the solutions? And so there are a few ways you could approach this theoretically. You could try to fight the system. And you could go all the way from start a militia to uh, join a protest. There are all different ways that you can try to, to fight the system and stick it to the man, do these kinds of things. That's an option. That's not my option, but that's an option. Another option would be to try to reform the system. So a lot of people would say that you should vote really hard, and if you vote hard enough, you can make good change and change the system. Uh, which can, again, have some effect. That is one option. Uh, some people would say you join the system, reform it from the inside. So you've got uh, what I think most of us could probably agree that there are some good people that have gotten involved with politics. Maybe a congressman, senator. Uh, you've got, let's see, Rand Paul, uh, Thomas Massey. Uh, you've got some folks that are very liberty-minded, uh, very good people. Ron Paul. Uh, and so uh, there are definitely people that go that route and do have some effect. So reform is a legitimate option. Um, the, the other option would be to exit the system. And uh, that can look very different depending on how far you go with that. But uh, the parallel society approach is more in line with that option. Instead of trying to fight the system, instead of trying to reform the system, what about just operating outside of the system, stepping outside of the system that is largely corrupt, that is very inefficient, often ineffective at at least the things that we think the system should do. So that would be uh, our approach at the Agora. It's my approach that this talks about. And it doesn't necessarily mean you give up on everything else. There are people that are still very interested in uh, reforming local uh, regulations and things. That can be a good thing. Uh, joining a school board and uh, maybe having some impact on the public education system. That can be a good thing. But that protest can be a good thing. You can do whatever you want. But in my opinion, at least, we'll get into this, one of the most effective, one of the most efficient, one of the most moral options, I would argue the most, would be the parallel society approach. So uh, I was kind of thinking of examples of uh, things that are wrong in society. It's a few things uh, yesterday. And so I just want to call out just a few of these that, that five years ago, even, 
definitely 10 years ago, would have sounded absolutely crazy. So just a few weeks ago, it was announced that two of the hijackers for the 9-11 uh, attacks were CIA assets in conjunction with Saudi Arabia. And uh, I'm sure some people in here have gone down that rabbit hole, that's probably not a surprise. But th that is actually admitted in uh, the normal announcement that was on the news. Um, another one would be that uh, recently came out that uh, almost guaranteed, I don't think they 100% admitted it, but that the CIA pretty much killed Kennedy. Um, that, again, is probably not a huge surprise to a lot of people in here, but the fact that that's just on normal news, and that's now common knowledge, that's not a crazy conspiracy theory, like, oh, yeah, CIA killed Kennedy. That's normal now. Um, Epstein, so probably the biggest scandal in modern history of, you know, this huge child tra trafficking scheme all over the world, including you know, world leaders, everything from, you know, Donald Trump to Bill Gates to, you know, all of the biggest names, the director of the CIA that just came out recently, too, at the time met with Epstein, I think, three times, minimum, uh, after he was convicted of all of his crimes. Uh, so, but that's a pretty big deal, but nowadays that's just another news story, another day, and we move on to something else. And so, I guess kind of the point there is that things are a little crazier than they have been in previous times. Lots of stuff's going down, and there's a lot of corruption involved at many different levels. So, with the parallel society, the idea is that we operate more outside of the system. We want to minimize our participation in the system, because if we say the system is corrupt, the system is immoral, there are all these problems, well, I don't really want to be a part of that. So I want to minimize my participation with that. I also want to minimize my support of that. So uh, think of something like taxes. You know, taxes is one of those evils that, for the most part, most people can't get away from. Uh, but what does your tax money go to? It goes to fund this very same system. And so that's something that personally I don't want to support. I don't want to participate in it. And so this is a strategy that can uh, give us a way of doing that. It's also a non-political strategy. And it's a strategy that involves direct participation. So when you involve yourself in the political sphere, you are basically subbing out this job of having influence in society to someone else. Casting a vote, you're uh, relying on a representative, kind of pushing that responsibility on somebody else. Not necessarily bad, there are ways that that works. But this approach is direct action that you do XYZ. So, uh, for sticking with some biblical examples here, uh, you've got the idea of uh, Jesus talking about uh, helping other people. You know, that's one of the main things that he talked about. And it wasn't that you give money to the Romans, and the Romans have this welfare system, and they're going to take care of the poor. No, it was you help others. The good Samaritan, good example of that. So that direct action approach is one that's been going on for a long time, very effective. For some historical examples, the church would be, uh, I guess, probably the most obvious one, where if you look back to the time period of Jesus and the disciples, the New Testament, uh, you had this Christian church that was new and in its beginning phases, it existed in a time when they had a lot of disagreements with uh, modern culture for them. They did not really agree with uh, Roman culture in a lot of ways, it was very libertine, 
with institutional religion. So a lot of these systems that these very early Christians were surrounded by and involved in, uh, they didn't agree with. They didn't really want to participate. They didn't really want to support. So what did they do? Well, they actually had their own court system. They educated their own children. They had their own welfare system to the point where there are records and letters of uh, people higher up in the Roman hierarchy that were complaining that the Christian church was doing such a good job at taking care of poor Roman citizens that it was making Rome look bad. So they were very effective at what they were doing, but they did it in this parallel society approach. They had their own systems, their own things that they did, and then uh, what happened? You could argue that there's uh, a lot of things that happened in the church that had itself that it's never been splits, all kinds of stuff, but uh, it is the thing that had the absolute most impact on all of Western society. And a few hundred years later, Christianity basically ruled the Western world. And so, we're talking about effective, that is very effective. Now, uh, another really good historical example would be Charter 77. So, this is something that started in Czechoslovakia under the communist regime that's going on there. Uh, two of the main folks that were involved, Václav Vinda and Václav Havel. Uh, these two folks, uh, one of them, Binda coined the term the parallel polis. And that's basically this idea of a parallel society. The other one, Václav Pavel, uh, he ended up being the president of Czechoslovakia after the communist regime fell, and then when it changed to the Republic of Czechoslovakia, he was also the first president of that. So a uh, very successful guy, ran the country, and did a lot of things after uh, all of this writing that they both did. There were dissidents along with a whole group of other folks under this uh, totalitarian regime, they were the resistance. And what they felt that the best way of approaching this was, was they called it the parallel cults, the parallel society. They uh, educated their own children outside of the communist system. They bartered with one another. They tried to be as self-sufficient as possible. And this was a strategy that worked very well. There are a lot of historians that credit the grain markets, the counter-economy, all of these things going on under the Soviet regime and the various communist dictatorships, that uh, they say that these counter-economies were one of the main reasons why those things did not work and ended up falling. Um, you know, probably not the only reason, a lot of issues with communism and totalitarianism, but one of the things that can uh, be effective against a system like that is to have a parallel society. Uh, one of the things that Václav uh, Havel talked about was that systems and ideologies largely are corrupt or become corrupt. And so he warned of uh, getting involved with the systems. And uh, that could be politics, that could be other things. There's so many systems that uh, we're surrounded by. The education system, the food system, the healthcare system, and these involve every society out there. So uh, systems can have their issues, but ideologies as well. People can get really latched on to a certain ideology, don't go into it, and that can lead to corruption. That can be steered in a way that it originally was not intended to be. You can have good people get involved in things that go bad. That happens. And so what he was saying was that Regardless of what you look at, whether it's systems or ideologies or movements or uh, 
things, there's always these two sides. You have uh, Democrats versus Republicans, the, you have capitalism versus communism, you have folks that uh, are all about warfare, and then people that are all about peace, uh, both saying that they're trying to achieve the same goals. Uh, no matter what you're doing, you have these two sides. And one of the points to this is that it doesn't really matter which side you go for. In general, they all leave the same place. So he was writing under a communist system and said that both communism and capitalism lead to totalitarianism. And uh, we've seen that despite how much I like the idea of a free market and true capitalism, um, I would say that uh, we have some pretty good evidence that in modern America, there are plenty of examples of corruption with that, where you have corporations that basically control politicians that basically run the country. And uh, same thing occurs when you have a communist system, just about any system. And that is the point, that the system does a thing and goes in a certain direction and ends up in a certain place. I think probably most of us in this room know a teacher or two or three or more, or maybe you are a teacher and been a teacher. Um, there are plenty of very good people, hopefully, that are teachers. But I guess one of the big issues is that the education system has a lot of issues. There are a lot of problems with the modern education system. And so even though you can have good people, good intentions, doing good things, oftentimes you have a system that in and of itself is corrupted, that it leads to end results that are not really what we're going for. So when you look at some modern examples, of this idea of the uh, parallel society. I was looking up, uh, I was going to do some quotes, decided not to, but for Bokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokbokb
even though you might steer a little left and you steer a little right on a road, roads still go in the same place. So, although I would agree, personally, that I might lean more towards one side than the other, and I like the direction of one side than the other, I don't like where the road goes. And so, the parallel society is this idea of having another option. There is another road. Going back to the idea of a biblical example, you've got the, the imagery of a wide path, a wide road that's easy to walk down, and this narrow road, the narrow gate, that is hard and difficult. Uh, the hard one and the difficult one is usually the right one to go. If you go biblical, it is the right one to go. And even though the other looks easy and it looks nice, and everybody's doing this thing, definitely doesn't mean it is the right thing to do or a good thing to do. And so, with a parallel society, it is something that is very practical, it's something that's very effective, and it's very efficient. Something we can all do. It, it's not all that difficult, I don't think, for any of us to take, maybe take a day, once a month, and meet up with, let's say, the Chattanooga Voluntary Society, go to a meeting, meet some like-minded folks, or you know, start up or go to a mutual assistance group somewhere in your local area and take it even one night a week, but definitely one night a month, something. Is it that big of a deal to spend $100 on some backup food? Or when you go buy food next time, we're not just buying a little bit extra. Surely, you know, it's not that big of a deal if you're buying, say, a few cans of beans, you buy four cans of beans instead of two and put two in the pantry, and you can slowly build up. These are things that, they're very practical, they're very doable, it's not out of reach, it's nothing crazy, you don't have to go overboard, you don't have to drop $10,000 on some emergency preparedness kit and all these things. These are things that we can do, and they're natural. For thousands of years, this is the way societies operate, that they operate interpersonally with one another, through relationships, and knowing one another, taking care of one another. This used to be a very normal thing when we get to food. Uh, it used to be really normal that your cows were out on the pasture eating grass, and then you eat cows, and they're healthy, you drink their milk, and it's healthy. That was very normal to put cows on uh, concrete, which I guess back then would have been like a giant slab of rock. would not have made a lot of sense to people a thousand years ago. It doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? Uh, that's what we do now. We do things very differently, but the solutions are simple. You know, that's a quote, okay, good is, but it's that the, the problems of society are more and more complex, but the solutions are more and more simple. It's, it's a very simple thing. So, uh, another advantage of a parallel society approach, despite being uh, practical, efficient, effective, all of these things, let's say on one, in one category, you know, that is a good way of doing things, it's an effective way of doing things. Another thing is that it's a moral way of doing things. So if you uh, think that there might be some immoral aspects of modern society, you have some morality issues with the way culture is headed, or the way politics is dealt with, or the way the food system or healthcare system is handled, uh, then you, know, you make your own choice on your own morality and how you choose to handle these things. But personally, I don't really want to be involved in things that I feel are immoral. That's not something I have an interest in doing. I don't want to participate in immoral activity. I don't want to fund it. I don't want to be a part of it. And, so, and 
And so, even if the parallel society growth was not effective, not efficient, it's not practical, at least it can be the right thing And all the better that it actually is something that works, is effective, efficient, practical, good. So, there are a lot of advantages here. There are also better results, arguably, with using a parallel society approach versus some of the other examples that I used before. So, this could be conditional, but you have an individual level that we're all concerned with. We definitely want a good lives, good life for ourselves, and you know, we want to be able to take care of ourselves. We also want to take care of our families and those that we care about. We also want uh, something better for our community, for other people, the others of the world. And a parallel society approach can uh, be a very effective way of achieving all of those things. So. For example, if I believe that the way food is raised these days is uh, not a good thing, there are some issues with it, I could try to uh, pose some sort of regulatory change where I'm going to mandate that cows must be put out on pasture and eat grass. That is the only way that you're allowed to raise cows there. Now, number one, that is limited to one small aspect of all the problems in our food system. Uh, number two, it's going to be a million loopholes if you can get around it, and it's going to have all of its own issues. Uh, but you could argue, hey, you made, you made incremental change for the bet. Sure. Another option, I find somebody that raises beef cattle the way I believe is right. Master raised beef. I could go to Kent. I could go to, uh, you yeah, know, there's other people probably having booths that are out there that you can see that have these kinds of things. I go to the Eudora Food Club. You could go somewhere where you know that farmer is raising the cow the way that you believe is right for an animal to be raised in a healthy way that you can then eat. You do that, then you actually, for yourself, are eating truly healthy food, and you are supporting a local farmer that is doing this in a way that you believe is right, is healthy, is natural, is good, and so you're supporting them directly as an individual. You are getting the healthy food as an individual, and so that's a really good result. What about your family that you're feeding? Extremely good result for them. What about the fact that you're supporting a local farmer who can now continue to farm, who can continue to have more cattle, who can continue to raise things in this way and support themselves? Well, that's better for the community. Because if so-and-so, let's say John, wants to have pasture-raised beef, but there's no way around there to get it, because no one would buy it, no one would support farmers who did it that way, then John doesn't have any options. Where he's going to have to, you know, spend a lot more money, throw a lot further way to do it. So if we can support things that are more moral, more effective, more efficient, uh, this parallel society approach, we can have these options that are arguably better. But we have to do something. We have to support this. We have to build out these systems in order for them to exist. And so if you're telling somebody that maybe organic food and pasture-raised meats and raw milk, these kinds of things, are they're really good for you. This is the way you need to eat. This is the healthy way of doing things. This is the diet you should have, proper nutrition, you know, on and on and on. Well, it doesn't really do someone any good if they have no where to get it. Or if they don't have the money to go to Whole Foods and spend some ridiculous amount of money for groceries. So we need to have these options. And either they exist and we should be supporting them, or they don't and we should be making them. And that is what creates the parallel society. So for some 
more practical, current examples. Uh, let's go through some of these systems that you might think uh, has some problems in modern society. How about the food system? What's a solution for that? Well, homestead. Growing your own food. Having a small organic garden in your backyard so you can grow your own vegetables. That's one of the biggest things that gets sprayed and have a lot of poison on. Um, so that's a really good option. How about uh, frequenting a farmer's market or a food club or getting food directly from a farmer? You're supporting, again, supporting and building these things that you believe in that are good things. Um, uh, there are some other systems. How about the education system? Has a lot of issues. Uh, homeschool is one of the most popular. It's a huge homeschooling group in Chattanooga. Or uh, not a single group. There are many large homeschooling groups in the greater Chattanooga area. All around the country. It is a very popular thing now. It's not some random, isolated, crazy thing people do. Like it might have been considered you know, a few decades ago. Now, that is a perfectly normal thing you can get plugged into, and you can pull your kids out of a system that you might not agree with. You might be teaching them things that you don't want your children to be taught. That's an option. You've also got um, a learning mindset that us as adults, grown people, most people, yeah, uh, kids as well, but uh, if you have this learning mindset of always trying to learn more, then that is one of the most crucial aspects of educating yourself. And, by extension, your family, people you know, these kinds of things. So if you know, I just relied on my public school education and a college degree, and then, oh, I'm done learning, I know everything I need to know, and I just go on about my life. Well, there's a lot I would have missed out on. I've learned way more in the past, you know, probably the past two years than I learned through 12 years of schooling. Because, just continue to learn. You have podcasts. You've got articles. You've got books. You've got like-minded people. You've got lots of things that you can learn from, and I guarantee you, you still have things to learn. We all do. We don't know it all. And so, having this mindset, learning more and more and more, can not only be something to combat a, a corrupted education system or a lacking education system, at the very least, it can also make up for the effects of a corrupted education system or lacking education system. Um, money. A lot of issues with money. Um, I have a feeling probably you folks in here have uh, gone down the rabbit hole of the Federal Reserve System and uh, you know, inflation, like Brad mentioned, you know, lots and lots and lots of issues. Uh, so, there are options there. Very, very simple one would be cash. If you're using cash, then number one, Someone's not tracking you and tracing you on everything you do. Number two, uh, we can say that uh, you're responsible for maybe your own reporting on things like taxation and things of that sort. Um, you could uh, have this benefit of not having your money locked up in a bank. That might be a corporation that has views that you do not hold. That might be an institution that uh, might enforce things that you do not agree with. Uh, if you look at the protests in Canada a while ago, where people had their bank accounts frozen, no access to their money, because they had views that uh, people didn't agree with. And that wasn't a lot. So, they had no access to their money. You have cash. You know, granted, someone comes to your house and can't take it from you. Sure. But uh, in the 99% of cases, you're fine. You got your money, you can use it. Uh, you've got more extreme examples of things like uh, cryptocurrency, where you have money that is outside of this fiat money system. Lots of options there 
things like Bitcoin that goes on and on, proxy coins, things like that. We will have a loop out there, someone will be manning. And if you're interested in cryptocurrency, top 10, we can tell you all about it. Another example for uh, money would just be self-sufficiency in general. So part of it is how much money you have to spend. If I am not having to deal with dollars as much as I once was, then that means I'm not holding as many dollars. That means if inflation goes through the roof, I'm not losing as much value as I would have. So if I have $100,000 in the bank and we have 10% inflation, that's a pretty big chunk that gets taken out of it. Whereas if I have $10,000 in the bank and I'm largely using my money, growing my own food, investing my time, bartering with one another, things of this nature, then I have a much smaller chunk. So I get eaten away, my value gets taken away by inflation, things like that. Maybe the bank locks it up, so be it. But it's a much smaller amount. That makes me less reliant on that system. That makes me less uh, a victim to a lot of negative things involved. Uh, you've also got technology. So uh, probably a lot of people have different issues with different aspects, whether it's big tech or privacy concerns or AI or on and on and on. With technology, you can do the same thing. You can limit your exposure. You can uh, be more involved with some more privacy-centric options. So maybe instead of using a Gmail email account, you use something like ProtonMail or another encrypted email option so that you're just not feeding the algorithm and giving all your data to big tech and they do whatever they do with it. Uh, there are lots of different options here, uh, especially with kids, but for us adults as well. Uh, screen time is something that can have a lot of negative effects. There's another rabbit hole you can go there, but just limiting your exposure to that means you're seeing less advertisements. You're being fed less specific intentional information meant to persuade you in some way or another. Probably a way that you originally would not intend it. Um, you are supporting these technologies and companies less if you have less involvement with them. So there are all kinds of things that are benefits of you know, not involving yourself in these aspects of whether it be technology, food, uh, corporations, money, all of these things. Again, like self sufficiency. If, if I normally went to Walmart, and I don't, but if I did, let's say I go to Walmart every week and I buy groceries and grilling supplies and whatnot, so who knows what I get at Walmart. I get all that stuff. Well, what if I start partnering with somebody that makes homemade soap? What if I start getting some other products and they make them a laundry detergent? What are the things you can do that are actually not teaching you anything? But if you start doing that, what does that mean? That means you are providing less at Walmart. I don't have to buy that food. I don't have to buy myself. I don't have to get X, Y, Z products from it because I am more self-sufficient and I'm getting them from directly I'm making them myself. And so what does that do? Well, number one, I'm supporting Walmart's budget. I made a good thing for the corporation, but I'm personally not giving it up. Number two, I'm not as reliant on that. So, yeah, what if, like Brad mentioned, what if you have a natural disaster and the grid goes down? Everybody's out of power for two weeks. And what are people going to do? Well, they're going to go to Walmart. They're going to get as much as they can get, everything that they probably should have had at home. No. And so if I have some of those things at home, I'm providing a lot of those things, I have a group of people I'm connected with that have those things, then I'm less reliant on them. And that can be a really good thing. I'm not going to be as easy to be manipulated or pressured into something or anything of that sort because it's not something that I am relying on. 
sources and other options. So I guess the, the final thing that I want to bring up here is uh, the, in my opinion, best local example, which would be the Accord. And that would be the host of Agora Best, today. And uh, with the Agora, the idea was that, uh, I guess kind of playing off the deck, let's go that way. You've got the Agora in the historical sense of in a Greek city, the Agora was the center of town. That was the marketplace. That's where philosophers met and talked. That's where people would uh, meet together. And you had this community, and you would uh, meet up with folks that you didn't know. You would also meet up with family members and friends, and that would be the gathering place. So it was the center of town of all these things. Uh, that is the idea of the local word as well, the up for these things. Uh, it's also the word where the tourism comes from. If you haven't heard of agorism, it's all about operating outside of the system. And so, perfect. So if you have a hub for operating outside of the system, that's what the agora gets. Uh, the actual agora here is located on Pixie Bike, up the road, not too far away. And uh, it is something that we set up as a church. And so if you go back to the idea of the early church, what did they do? Well, they had this Christian community of people that would study the Bible, they would pray together, they would take care of each other, and they knew one of them, they built this community, and they had their own systems, their own things. That's the idea. So, uh, one aspect of how this is structured, and I want to talk a little bit about structure from a parallel society approach, because um, that's a big deal. So, like for a church, most churches would be a 501c3, a nonprofit that is incorporated with the state. And uh, that's how most of them are set up. And with that, they get a piece of paper that says all your donations can be written on taxes, and it's good for people to give money to churches. And they guarantee, you know, you can write this off. However, there is also the option of 508C1A. So in the IRS tax code, and uh, code 508C1A simply says that churches are accepted from the requirements of reporting to the federal government, asking them basically asking them to exist, because that's what 501c3 has to do. You have to file some paperwork, and they say, yes, you may exist. File more paperwork. Yes, you may be tax-exempt. You're getting this permission, so you're incorporated with the state. The way we set it up was 501c1a, which is right there in the tax code, not illegal, not anything like that. It just says that the church is automatically accepted from these things. So we are. We don't have to fancy piece of paper, though, that says, hey, donate money to us and get right out from taxes. You still pay it, but we don't have a piece of paper that proves it from the state. So we're disadvantages, but we feel it is better to be as separate as possible from these systems that we don't agree with. Uh, another example would be the food club at the Aguara. So we wanted a place where uh, people could get natural, healthy, local food. And we wanted to support people that do things that local farmers, local producers. And so we set up the Agora Food Club as an extension of the Agora. And with that, we set that up in a few specific ways because legally there are some challenges. Uh, you are not actually allowed to often sell food that comes directly from the farm. So, like if somebody, let's say, Kenton has a cow, he processes it on site, he would not be allowed to sell that to. Uh, let's say someone goes out that dairy, they milk a cow, they can't be selling that enough. They have to go through all the licenses, the regulations.
operations after us built that have their special USDA stamp on all the meat that they process, and on and on and on and on. So, uh, due to that and many other reasons, uh, we set ourselves up to structure in a way that allows us to operate outside of the system in the ways that we feel the best. So, uh, first of all, we are a PMA, Private Membership Association. Again, this extends way beyond Igor, that's just my example here. Kenton's got a PMA. Uh, the Cank and Water sponsor that we have as well, uh, at least Louise, that runs that portion of it, she has a PMA. Uh, there are multiple people that do. It's a thing. It's a way that you can set up various structures. But what it is, is a private membership association. And the main point here is that it is for members only, and it is in the private sphere. So if you think about it, if I have one of you over to my house, and uh, I pour a glass of wine, I can do that. We can have wine over dinner, and I don't need a liquor license. I don't need permission. I don't need a report. I am not going to have uh, some inspector come into my house and test the temperature of my fridge and freezer before I can serve you dinner. This is my house. It's private. Private sphere. And so the idea with the PMA, Private Membership Association, is you expand that out to an association of people that do things privately. And as such, they're not involved in the public sphere and not involved, largely, in public regulation either. So lots of advantages there. And that is how we decided to set up. Um, the other aspect of the food club that it was a structure that we thought was very beneficial that lots of other people implemented as well is to be a food club model, and that has a very specific structure. So if you sign up at the Agora Food Club, you become a member, you sign a contract, basically say you're not going to sue us, and that we are operating in the private sphere. Now you and everybody else in the association. In addition to that, every member funds an account. And so you as a member have an account for food. Every other member does too. So the food club, the association, has these funds, that are from all of the members that all pitch in together. And then we go out each week to local farms. We do some bowl quarters. We do things like that. We gather up this natural, healthy, mostly local food, bring it all in-house to one place, and then food club members can come and get what they want. Now, with this model, when you come and get what you want, you're not buying anything. If you haven't figured out, you already paid for it. You already put in, let's say, 100 bucks in your account, you own hundred dollars worth of these stuff in the food club. So when you come in to get your stuff, we charge a service fee for the service of going and getting it, paying for gas, utilities, things of this nature. Think of a Grubhub model where you order food online and some company like Grubhub goes out, gets it, brings it back to you. They're not buying the food that you order and then marketing it up and reselling it to you. It's not how that works. They just charge you a fee for going to get it. You're the one that paid for it. You bring it back. That's it. So food club model is a very similar model where people fund their account. We get local healthy food. We support local farmers. Bring it all in house. You come pick up your stuff. Service fee attached to that. You're done. And one of the biggest advantages here for us as a food club, but also other uh, business structures as well, is that there is a, a large difference in regulation between services and goods especially food and health-related goods. So if I provide the service of getting you food, that's all I'm doing, then I am not 
and upon the sale. And when you avoid the sale, you avoid a lot of that regulation. In addition to being private sphere, being outside those that angle. And so the point of all of this would be that you can apply this parallel society approach, not just to you and your community, to your friends, to uh, being prepared in case things go bad or when things go bad. Uh, you can apply it to a business. You can apply it to uh, lots of different things. You can apply it to structure. You can apply it to how you're going to influence society, make the world a better place. Whatever you're trying to do, whatever your goals are in life, whatever you participate in, the parallel society approach is a method, it's a strategy that you can do. Now, with the Agora, uh, other things that we're planning on doing to expand this idea out would be to do classes and workshops, uh, to do things like tours and education, have a homeschool co-op, things of this nature. So the idea is to build the parallel society. Thank you. 
have enough fear. They're scared of something. They will give up freedoms. They will give up money. They will give up information. They will give up lots of things if they're scared. Well, if you are reliant on a system, on a job, on a thing, and you're threatened with that and being taken away from you, that fear can cause you to go beyond that line and get number trust. You've got convenience, very dangerous. There are lots of things in this world that are easy, and there are more and more every single day. It is a lot easier to take the easy road. And if you give in to that, the further you give in to that, the worse it can be and the harder it is to get out of it. Not live according to convenience. It's okay that all of you expect. But convenience is a danger you do have to look out for. It's usually the right thing, effective thing, definitely in uh, this context, the way that we are thinking, we are doing things. Convenient thing is usually not the right And so what you want to do is make sure that you do not fall into that trap of just doing what's easy, just doing what's easy. I don't want to do that because it's hard. Because I'm going to have to take an hour out of my day. I'm busy. I'm busy too. Why do you think this here? There's a lot of stuff going on. So does everybody else. So don't let that be something that holds you back from doing something that you feel you should do. The final thing would be words without means. That is something that, uh, especially look like libertarian circles, are very guilty of this, but lots of circles are, where there's a lot you can talk about, a lot of ideas. These things sound really cool. So, hey, I want to grow up now. Yeah, I like the idea of homesteading. Natural, healthy food. I want to eat healthy. That's great. Well, sure, great. But if you're not actually enjoying it, what do you again? Or anybody else? And so, not only are these good ideas, not only are these options, but you got to actually do something. Take action. There's a further step. This works without these. You're in there. So, that is challenging. Well, be friends. Find a way. You can plug in. Find a way. Find a way you can take that step. You're already crawling, you start walking. You're already walking, you start running. You're already running, keep running. There is always more you can do, more you can learn. There is more you can connect with. And that's what we're going to encourage all you guys to do. So we're going to take another break, and then we'll get back next week. So that was presentation number two from AgoraFest 2023 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. That was myself giving the presentation. I was one of the presenters out of five, I believe. So we have three more presentations to do. That'll be the next three episodes of this podcast. And I do promise the audio does get better. I can't remember. The next one might also be bad, but I don't think as bad as this one and the one from uh, the last episode. But they do, I believe it's the last two that are actually pretty good quality. So I know it can be a little rough to uh, listen when it's hard to understand and hear at parts and there are changes in the audio level and all these things. Again, I did work very hard trying to get this listenable, but again, there's only so much I can do. So I am sorry for that, but we will get to some better audio quality. I still do believe that it's worth listening to these presentations, that they have really good content and they're worth listening to. And again, the last few will be much better. And then we'll get back to the normal uh, podcast. We'll get back to the Beatitudes, finish those up, get into the Sermon on the Mount and continue on with our study for our Foundations podcast. 
And I also want to say thank you very much for those that are listening, that are just dedicated people and participating, those that are giving money financially and supporting the show via mostly Patreon, and those that have given me feedback and left reviews and ratings. All of those things are super helpful. I really appreciate it, especially given that the past few months have been a little hit and miss with me actually staying on schedule with the episodes. I feel like for two or three years, I was on point every single episode, almost every time. I think I missed one in like three years, but then the past few months have been a little rough and I've explained that in the past. I don't really need to get into it, but point is I really appreciate your patience and that you are here and listening and supporting in all these ways. Thank you very much. We'll be back next time with the next presentation. It will be, I believe, about sustainability and off-grid living from someone who has a lot of experience doing those things. So that will be next episode. I hope you come back and enjoy that one as well. Until then, I'm out. Peace. This has been our Foundations Podcast. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye-bye.